I've been looking forward to this message. That's the wrong word. I've been looking ahead to this message um, with a sense of trepidation because if you know anything about preparing a word, right, every word of God is tested. In other words, I'm going to be challenged right along with all of you. And I was thinking about a word on words. I mean, I just didn't know how God was going to challenge me. Well, there was a series of them, but one happened Friday morning. My Microsoft Word program suddenly quit as I was trying to copy my message to a new document for final changes and uh, slide text. And the program went out and took all the documents I had on my screen, which was every version of it, plus the copy and paste that I had. Now, I know enough, this has happened, uh, that exact thing has now, but I've lost a document before, and the IT guys tell me, hey, you can always retrieve it. It's there, you just can't see it. So you gotta go on a hunt for it. So I called Joe, one of our tech guys, and he got on my computer remotely, and he started working and trying to recover. He said, hey, I'm gonna take a little time here so you keep your phone on and you can just keep working. So I madly took a piece of copy paper and started scratching out the outline as I remembered it of the message and as many scriptures as I could recall that I wanted to have included. And that's what I worked off of as Joe called me back and reported the sad news that it was lost. Lock, stock, and barrel. All of my notes, study notes, everything to do with that message, this message. Well, I went downstairs and I informed Jared of this. And he said, well, since you're you're teaching on words today, would you like me to say a few for you? (laughs) That was his way of empathizing with me. It really was. He was wanting to let me know. I feel your pain. Later in the day, I talked to my brother, Joe, who you've heard speak here before, and he's a pastor. And he said, oh, he said, that is a nightmare. He said, I was just getting ready to send my uh, message to the media people. I better go do that. I got to hang up. Seriously, it scared him, just the idea that that had happened to me. It's, it's our nightmare. It's very personal, but I had to share it. The truth is, though, that that's not the only time I was tested in the last couple weeks preparing this message. It's not the only time with my mouth, and I failed a few of the tests as well. I won't go into those, but I wanted to give a special um, shout-out um, to Jared for a great message last week because he launched us in this whole series about words reminding us that the power of life and death are in our words. And he encouraged us to kind of do a word inventory at the end of each day. And then after that word inventory, to speak God's word over our kids, over other people, friends, and just the people we encounter throughout the day. And make that a focus. And if you haven't heard that message, I encourage you to catch it on podcast. But the, but the bottom line comes back to this, how we use our words matters to God because he loves us and he wants us and others around us to experience the life-giving power of words, not the death-defying power of words, not the death-incurring power of words. And Jared and I have had a lot of experiences with words because, you know, we use a lot of them, we speak. But I want to just remind us how a single word can change everything. So uh, Jared and I have this young pastor friend of ours who was doing one of his first weddings. It was up in Astoria. And he was pretty nervous about it. And there was a gazebo directly behind him and then the couple standing in front of him. And this gazebo was for a certain point in the ceremony. And they were at the point in the ceremony where the couple had said their vows 
And they were going to take communion as a means of consecrating their marriage and making it the first act that they did together as husband and wife. So the pastor's explaining this to the crowd. He said, uh, the couple is now going to consummate their vows in the gazebo. Yes, consummate. If there's anybody that needs me to explain this later, just tell me. But you guys were pretty quick because this crowd, you know, when you're at a wedding, you're kind of wondering, is it okay to laugh? So it was only a moment's hesitation, though. And then the whole place just busted out up laughing. As the couple made their way to the gazebo, half bent over laughing. And I'm pretty sure that that communion was had the most smiles and maybe the most laughter of any communion. I'd love to have been privy to it because, you know, sometimes the pastor stands there by the couple. But um, they had a good laugh. And I'm sure it's one of their favorite memories um, from their wedding. Well, you know, that's a simple slip of the tongue. And we can laugh about it, and it forms a great story later that other people laugh about. But what about when our words wound or hurt other people? It was a few years back that um, Jared and I had just returned from a big retirement party for close friends of ours. Now, they're ahead of us in life, hence it was a retirement party for them, and uh, probably like 15 years ahead of us in life, but they started in ministry at the same time. So there's four couples, and we had been together as friends for 30 years. And in that friendship, we'd get together once a year, and at some place um, that was shared by all of us traveling, and then... We would pray for one another, we'd laugh together, play together, and we'd also put, each of us was on the hot seat. And so they'd ask us questions about our life, and then we'd pray for each other. Really uh, a cool group. And this couple was part of it, but they were also older than us, so we looked to them kind of as mentors in our life. And I, um, we came home so excited from their retirement saying, oh, we had so much fun seeing them. Let's invite them to go to the beach with us. So I called, and I ended up getting voicemail, as you always do. And I left a voice message for him, inviting him, throwing out a couple dates. Well, it was later that night. I was sitting in our living room, and a call came in from the woman, from my friend. And I saw it because I saw the number. And I answered it, and, it, and I said her name, and I said her name again, and I was listening, trying to you know, figure out where this was coming from, because it would be unusual to get a, a pocket call. But indeed, it was a pocket call. And in the 30 seconds, maybe, that I was on that line, I heard her talking about me to one of those other friends of the four couples who was still there after the retirement party and was staying with her. And it was talking about our friendship and her complaining that I wasn't doing enough, initiating enough in the friendship, and that's just the way I'm going to describe it for you. But let's just say I was completely shocked, even as I began to hear and as I made out that I think she's talking about me, and my heart started to beat fast inside of me. And I walked upstairs where Jared was in our guest room, and I told him, I think that our friend, I got a pocket call, and I think she was talking about me to so-and-so. And when I told him about it, I said, well, you know, what should I do? Because she doesn't know. She never picked up the phone. I just chose to hang it up so I wouldn't be listening in on any more of that conversation. Well, I'll tell you more about what happened later. You see, we might have that slip of the tongue that we can laugh about and forms a good story for later, but how do we prevent 
moments like that from happening to others because of our words. Because I can promise you that I was both shocked and deeply hurt and honestly trying to figure it out, completely puzzled. So today, we're going to visit Jesus, the great cardiologist. Some of you might say, why a cardiologist? Why not a speech therapist? We're talking about words, right? And he could do all of these things. Well, let's talk about why we're going to visit Jesus, the cardiologist, not the speech therapist. The big idea today is this, that our words reflect our heart. And a problem with our words is a heart problem, not a speech problem. Taking care of our heart is a top priority if we want to be a person who speaks life-giving words to others. So let's dive in. We have a problem when it comes to words. Don't you just love that? Isn't that just the most encouraging thing you've ever heard today? You're saying, thanks, Anne. I love that profound insight that you just gave us. But the truth is, we did, and James describes it so well. That's the half-brother of Jesus who wrote the book of James, James 3. He says this, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water come from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So James here is talking about the problem we have of speaking out of both sides of our mouth. Cursing here, blessing here. Death here, life here. And I want you to notice something about it. He includes himself in the equation. He uses the plural pronoun we throughout this little instruction for these people. And furthermore, he's not talking about the big bad world out there or some group of pre-Christians or some group of exceptionally wicked people. He's talking to Christians. That's why two times he makes sure, my brothers and sisters, and he's in that picture. And that's what we need to know today, that all of us struggle with this problem. Those of us who know Jesus and those of us who don't know Jesus yet All of us, people struggle with our words. And sometimes it is just that slip of the tongue, but sometimes it's words that wound or hurt or are overly harsh or resentful or bitter. And Jesus is the one who identified for us that a problem with our tongue is really a heart problem. In Luke 6, verse 43 through 45, he's right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, as we like to call it. And here's what he took time to tell him this. He said, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Would you say that last line there with me? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So Jesus isn't talking about the physical heart that pumps blood throughout our body. Rather, he's using this metaphor for the spiritual hub of our life through which all the other spokes of life connect. Our mind, our will, our emotions, and our spirit, small s. And he's saying that Our words are a snapshot of what's going on inside of us. That's what he's saying. 
Our words, if you will, are like an echocardiogram. Now, when I was in nursing school at OHSU, they were just testing that technology, the echocardiogram. And us nursing students, we were the guinea pigs. Yes, we did get paid. I think I made $50 off this one. Uh, you went in and, you know, they did the technology. They did an echocardiogram, and they did tons of these. They were seeing what they need to do. They were refining the technology for mass use. But an echocardiogram uses sound waves to get a picture of what's going on inside. This isn't unlike what God is saying needs to happen for us. Our words can provide a picture for us, if you will, of what's going on inside of us. And that's what we want to take a look at. Our top priority is caring for our heart. It's priority because it directs everything else. So I want to take a look at Proverbs 4, verses 23 through 27. I'm going to read it to you in both the NIV and the message translation, because I think it adds something to do that. So Proverbs 4, verses 23 through 27 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. Okay, now let's read what it says in the message. Keep vigilant watch over your heart because that's where life starts. Don't talk out of both sides of your mouth. Avoid careless banter, white lies, and gossip. Keep your eyes straight ahead Ignore all the sideshow distractions. Watch your step, and the road will stretch out smooth before you. Look neither right nor left, and leave evil in the dust. Well, the word there for watching over our heart, for keep or guard or watch over, it's all the same word, whatever the translation. It means this, to protect and preserve our heart. And there is a saying that we love to quote, an ounce of prevention is worth more than a pound of cure. That's right. And what I love is that God doesn't leave us with a command to watch over our heart and then doesn't give us any idea how we could do that. You know, because that's kind of nebulous, isn't it? I mean, what do I do? It's inside, I'm outside. I mean, how am I supposed to figure that out? Well, that's what we want to look at together today. And he's given it right here in Proverbs 4. In that verse 23, he tells us the command, and now he gives us a path for doing that. He gives us three tips that are all how to prevent heart disease, how to prevent you and I from storing the wrong things in our heart. Because if you will, your heart is like a storage unit. How many of you have ever rented a storage unit to put stuff in? Yeah, quite a few of us have, have done that. Okay, guilty pleasure. How many of you ever watched Storage Wars? Okay, yeah, more of us have watched that, you know. And one of the things you know, when those guys go and look at a storage unit, they're going, they, they try to find some treasure in it. They look for something they know they could resell. That's the treasure. And they're willing to take the junk with it. But here's the deal. What you know from that is that a storage unit can have both treasures and junk. And our heart is not unlike that. And these tips all have to do with keeping the junk out and letting the treasure in. So let's talk about tip one, number one is be intentional about what we say and listen to. Proverbs 4, 24, what did it say? Don't talk out of both sides of your mouth. 
Avoid careless banter, white lies, and gossip. So it's telling us to pay attention and be intentional about our conversation circles. You know, that collection of people at the water cooler, the, uh, the people that you go online with and you're all in a group together and you share stories about your life. Or maybe it's that group of neighbors that gets together for coffee. I don't know what your group or circles of conversation are, but pay attention to those conversations that we listen to and other things that we listen to. So the question is this, are there any conversation circles in your life that are not as life-giving as they should be? Are there times that you could have changed the subject or redirected it and created a more life-giving conversation? Well, my mom and I, we play cards, cribbage and cards, um, when she's home with us, which is about six, seven months of the year. And we trash talk, okay? Not just a little, like quite a bit, okay? And we were kind of getting out of hand. I, in particular, was getting out of hand. I don't even recall all the words I said, but sometimes pretty bad. I will tell you a few of them. Things like turd bucket. Um, You know, card pig, turdle, not turtle, but turdle. Turd figured prominently in these. Um, And then the earthy word that has to do with turd, okay? Um, We use that in variations on a theme if we were really getting angry and the other person was like being a card hog or something, which meant that they were ahead in the game. So I'm just saying, we we trash talked, and my family's very competitive, and so we do let loose. But my, I was having devotions with the Lord, and the Lord just said, you know, Anne, I want you to think about the words that your mom's heard spoken over across her life. She's heard a lot of terrible things spoken over her life because of my, my dad's alcoholism and, and abuse. He said, do you want to end that? Do you want to add to that? Even, that's what, that's what James called careless banter. That's what Proverbs called careless banter. So, that was the end of the trash talking in those terms. Oh, we still say things like card hogs and things like that, but we keep it lighter. The thing is, it's not just those conversations that we have, so what we say to each other, but also what we listen to. So let's talk about music for a minute, because that's a big part of listening in our culture. Do we listen to worship music one day and then driving to work the next day, listen to music with lyrics that celebrate things that Jesus died for? In other words, songs that celebrate sin, sins that Jesus died for? Because that will affect us. And I want to challenge you in your personal listening time to music to, for one week, listen to worship music. And I know we have all different styles of worship music. That's the beauty of it. You can make your own playlist. And every week in the e-blast, we have a song list, a set list from the week before's service. And that's there so you can listen to tunes all week that celebrate God's love, his goodness, his faithfulness, his, his greatness in our lives. And I just challenge you to one week of doing that, taking whatever time it is you've devoted to listening to music and listen to worship music and see what happens to your mind, your thoughts, and your words as you do that. Now, parents with kids, I want to challenge you because this is your opportunity. You are the gate to what your kids are storing up in their heart. 
What are they listening to? Now, when my kids were growing up, they listened to Salty. I made sure they had every Salty tape there was. And if you don't know about Salty, you know, you need to go look them up online. Okay, Bible character, just amazing tunes for kids at that time. And they could sing them all and share them all with their friends. Um, But it's our job to make sure what our kids are getting into their ears. Because I want to tell you something that every day at school, That is not what's being spoken over them. And I'm not talking about from the teacher. I'm talking about in class. One time I was teaching a class of 40 fourth graders um, at church in Bend. And I asked them, at the end of the first week of school, I asked all of them, how many of you heard something about yourself that was bad this week? All but one of the 40 raised their hands. And then they just started saying what they were. Because, you know, kids are, that unleashed a torrent. You know, it ranged from as mild as, you know, four eyes for kids who had just gotten glasses to things that were terrible for them. Our kids need to hear the right things. They need to have stored up in their hearts what God's saying about them, what he believes about them, and that's our role. So the other thing is let God's word be stored up in your heart. Give some time each day to listen to and or read it. I love what Psalm 119.11 says. It says, your word have I hidden my heart that I might not sin against you. But I like how the message translation says it even better. I've banked your promises in the vault of my heart so I won't sin myself bankrupt. I love how Eugene Peterson wrote that. I've banked your promises, God, in the vault of my heart so I won't sin myself bankrupt. God's word is powerful. Hebrews 4.12 says it this way. The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It's able to penetrate, even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. God works through his word in us to speak different things to us, to change our hearts. I like to say that God's word is like a surgical instrument in the hand of the great cardiologist that cuts out the junk that we've stored up in us and leaves the treasure behind. Be intentional about what we say and listen to. And tip number three, number two is be intentional about what we look at. Proverbs 4.25, the next verse says this. Keep your eyes straight ahead. Ignore all the sideshow distractions. And this is harder than it's ever been before. I wouldn't pretend that this is easy. And I think parents in particular nowadays have a super huge job with this because we have more information, more entertainment and millions of images at our fingertips, more than we've ever had at any time in the history of man. Let's talk about just one example of what our unfiltered access to information can do in influencing our lives. You see, on our college campuses, we have an epidemic. Almost a third of the women on college campuses report that they've experienced some form of sexual assault. Do you think there might be a correlation between the young men in college now that grew up with unlimited, unfiltered access to pornography at their fingertips 24-7? Do you think that putting those things in their hearts could make them begin to see women as objects instead of people? Do you think that they could begin to view women as the personal gratification for their desires? 
Do you think that it could cause them to act out in the ways that are being reported on our college campuses and beyond? Absolutely. Absolutely. When we look at, the, at how this unlimited and unfiltered access to images and information comes to our heart, we're told to keep our eyes straight ahead and ignore all the sideshow distractions. And we have to help each other with that. Tip number three, not only do we have to be intentional about what we say and what we listen to and what we look at, but we also want to be intentional about where we go. Proverbs 24, verse 26 says this, watch your step and the road will stretch out smooth before you. But I like how the NIV says it in this case. It says, give careful thought to the paths for your feet. Be steadfast in all your ways, which is really talking about consistency. Give careful thought. Okay, give careful thought about where you are going. How many of you, this is a boat, and I want to see your hands. How many of you would say, I like asking for directions? Hold it up proud. That's right. How many of you would say, I prefer to just figure it out on my own? I don't like to stop and ask. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just, that's good. 50-50 all the way across, and it's, it, those gender stereotypes are not playing out in our community. It's not splitting by male or female. It's just we got about 50% of us that uh, don't like to ask directions. Now, I always thought I did, but I was headed to Nampa, Idaho to speak. I'd never been to Nampa, Idaho before. And I took a ministry partner along, another woman, Kim, and uh, she was a bookkeeper, by the way. That comes in handy. Uh, you'll see in a moment. I had brought directions. I had a little sheet of paper with some, you know, with a few notes jotted on it for me. Now, this is, you know, pre-GPS. So we're going there. We get to a T in the highway where there's only two directions to go. No straight ahead. It has to be right or left. I get there, and I go, and I just feel like left is right. <laughs> I feel like left is the right way to go. Kim's looking at me. You feel Really? You feel? I said, yeah, I just feel like it's right. So we went, I mean, so we went left. And we ended up right. We ended up in the right place. But the truth is, that drove her nuts that we did, because she is into the details, and she knew I should have stopped. There was a, a store, one of those convenience stores, gas stations, right at the T. Did I stop there and ask directions? No, I just headed out of myself. And what we're saying here is it's important to be intentional about where we go. And to do that, we should ask for directions along the way. Ask God for directions about those things that you want to go to, about the direction that you want to change in your life, about the event that you're planning to go to. Some great questions to ask about where you're going are, here's three of them. Will this step take me closer to Jesus? If I go to this event, if I make this change in my life, if I go this new direction, will this bring me closer to Jesus? Secondly, will this step encourage and foster more of Jesus' life in me? Is this going to foster more of his life in me? Or will it drive a wedge? Lastly, is this direction consistent with the rest of my following Jesus in life? Does this fit? with what I know following Jesus looks like? Those are just some questions that we can ask as we're looking at where we go. Well, we said that an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. We've been talking about several tips to prevent heart problems. But when it comes to our heart, we really need both. 
Because sometimes we discover our heart has stored up some junk and we start seeing the fruit that we talked about at the beginning where we're talking blessing on this side and cursing on this side. And we don't want to do that. And so in order to deal with the cure now, not just the prevention, because sometimes we need the cure too, we need a regular heart checkup with Jesus to see what's going on and take care of the problem. And this is where doing our own echocardiogram, if you will, can come in really handy. You see, we do it with Jesus. He told us, you know, sometimes people say, follow the money to get to the source of something. When it comes to our words and our heart, the rule would be follow your words. If you want to see what's in your heart, follow your words. What are our words telling us? I'm going to give you six different statements. They're going to come up one at a time. I'd like you to just think through your own life with this and just do a mental assessment with it. Um, Where does this match me? What does the Lord bring to mind as I share these? Number one, a heart that stores up guilt speaks angry words, but a heart filled with forgiveness speaks gracious words. Number two, a heart that stores up entitlement speaks complaining words, but a heart filled with gratitude speaks grateful words, whether a person has a little or a lot. Number three, a heart that stores up bitterness speaks harsh words, but a heart filled with peace speaks tender words. Number four, a heart that stores up rejection speaks resentful words, but a heart filled with acceptance speaks kind words. A heart that stores up condemnation speaks judgmental words, but a heart filled with love speaks compassionate words. A heart that stores up jealousy speaks words of gossip, but a heart filled with contentment speaks words of blessing. So I want to just rehearse that list of uplifting words out of those six. Gracious, grateful, tender, kind, compassionate, words of blessing. That's a checklist of some of the positive, life-giving words that we need to be intentionally speaking over the people in our lives. And I felt like God wanted me to especially mention this new aspect that we have. You see, we don't just have mouths that can talk now. We have fingers that can do the talking for us. Because of social media, we talk with our hands, not just with our mouths. And I felt like he was wanting to say, parents, give your kids the gift of positive, life-giving words. Did you know that your adult children need that as much as your kids that are at home? Every one of us is assaulted every day with something that's wrong with us, with something not good, with some kind of complaint. We need to hear more of the other from each other, and we need to do that for our kids. And that includes, would you create a social media history that you could proudly show your kids? that when they looked at it, they would feel better about themselves. They would know that they're as special as you really think they are. 
And that's true for spouses as well. We need to hear those kinds of words and see those kinds of words on social media that speak about who they are and how much we care about them. And for all of us, that's what our fellow students need to hear. That's what our neighbors need to hear. That's what our coworkers need to hear. James 3, verses 7 through 8. He said, All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. Well, you're probably saying, oh, thanks, Anne. Another uplifting word to end the message with. We started with we have a problem, and we ended with we can't solve the problem. We don't have the power to do that. Is that what he's saying? Is that what James is telling us, that you and I are off the hook for this tongue thing? Because, hey, none of us can be successful. So, I mean, I call that a why bother moment. But that's not what James is saying. James is not telling us to be resigned to failure in speaking life-giving words. He's rather pointing out to them and to us and all who would read his words that we can never achieve that with behavior modification or a word campaign itself. We can only do this with God's help. We are utterly dependent on God to change here. And He is the one who can give us a heart renovation so that we can speak words of life and blessing to others. He's the only one who can get rid of the junk so that we can keep the treasure. So how do we fix our hearts? Well, we need a renewed heart or a renovated heart. Or maybe today your need is for a transplant. Transplant, that's a whole new heart. God even told some people a lot like us. These were people that Ezekiel the prophet spoke to, and they were stubborn, persistently distracted from God, and repeatedly disobedient. And yet God told them, I can take your heart of stone, and I can give you a heart of flesh. That's a pretty cool promise. That can be yours today. If you've never said yes to Jesus, if you've never exchanged your sin for his forgiveness. He can do that for you. We'd love for you to say yes to Jesus and start a relationship with him. But most of us, it's about having a renovated heart. So back to my friend's pocket call. I called my friend and we talked. She was crying and she asked me to forgive her. And of course, I already knew what the answer to that was. Of course, I forgive you. Don't throw away 30 years of friendship over a pocket call. And I just want to ask you, is there anybody here that couldn't have had one of those pocket calls if you had accidentally done one at a particular moment? Most of us have. We just have been fortunate to not get caught, like my friend. But here's the deal. Friend of 30 years had that wonderful conversation. And since that time, I went to her mom's memorial service. I invited her for lunch when we were visiting in her state. And she didn't come, but her husband did. Those are the two encounters. I respond on her Facebook. But other than that, we've had no more relationship. 
And here's what I took from that, what I felt like God was saying. He said, you know, when we say uh, come to God, because how do we correct a heart problem? We come to Jesus and we do a heart checkup. And secondly, we confess what's going on to God and receive his forgiveness. And I have to tell you that I feel like what happened is we have to forgive ourselves. You know, sometimes we're always thinking about the other person, and we did that. We forgave each other. But we also have to forgive ourselves when we've messed up in how we talk to somebody. Otherwise, you know what we'll do? We'll avoid them because the shame and guilt is still there. Not because God hasn't forgiven us, but we struggle to do it. And I had a friend last week at Bible study who asked me, if your friend died a week from now, what would you say to her right now? What would you do this week if you knew that was going to happen? And I knew what I would do. I would move heaven and earth to make sure she knew I loved her. To make sure she knew that I still wanted to be her friend. That can happen for us. So we come to Jesus, we confess what's going on, and then sometimes we need, to, we need to find a trusted friend and tell them what it is we're, going, we're bringing to God. What it is, what's the junk God showed you when you did a follow the words in your life? What is it you've been looking at that you shouldn't have been looking at? What is it you've been listening to that you shouldn't have been listening to and it's made its way into your storage unit. What's the conversation at work that needs to be turned or that group of friends where you need to redirect? What do you need to change about what you're watching or reading? A healthy heart speaks words of healing to others. I felt like at the, the way we wanted to end is the band's going to play. They're not going to sing words. They're just going to play a worship tune. And while they do that, I'm inviting you to take a couple minutes. Our culture moves at such a fast pace, we rarely create margins for God to just speak to us. And he just wants to talk to us. He's been talking to you. He's reminded you of that person. He's shown you something about one of the prevention things that you really need to look at. He's put a name in front of you, like my friend. And he's reminded you that you can make that right. Let's take a moment, and then I'll come back and pray. When we were singing the song, Jesus, what a powerful name. And uh, we are just declaring his name. And I just had a picture of all of us putting our hands out, because our hands and our mouth are communicating words all week long. And the thing is, I could just see us declaring the name of Jesus over our kids. He is able. James said, no man can tame the tongue, but God can. And this is our invitation. God, you can tame my tongue. You can help me to start storing up or to continue to store up the right things and to get rid of the junk in my storage unit and hang on to the treasure. I just saw us speaking this over. And so I want to take just a minute as they're playing. I'd like you to just put your hands out. And would you just speak over the people in your life, your spouse, your kids? Would you just say who they truly are to you and their real value to God and to us?
Jesus. We speak your name over the children represented by this community. We ask, Lord, that they would understand the larger picture that they are part of, that they are your beloved children, that they are forgiven, that they are loved, that they are valued, that they are not a burden, that they are not annoying us in that deep, long-term kind of way, Lord. Lord, but that they're precious, that they're a treasure, that you have big plans for them that you knew every one of their days before one of them came to be. We just speak your name, Jesus, over our children of all ages, Lord. Lord, that this week they would hear from you and they would hear from us how amazing they are and who you've made them to be. And Lord, I pray for those who have heard and seen things they shouldn't have seen and heard. And I know, God, I know from personal experience, you are more powerful than those things. And we speak your life over our kids and over the areas of where they've heard death, we speak your life and ask you to bring about your healing there for them. And Lord, we pray that over our friends. We pray that over our marriages, our spouses. We just speak the name of Jesus, the name that's above every other name, the one who can cleanse, the one who can heal, the one who forgives, the one who repeatedly comes to us and engages with us no matter what we've done. And Lord, today, let that be true for us. And this week, Lord, let us live out a God life, the Imago Day, the image of you in us that blesses and doesn't curse, the image of you that lifts up and doesn't tear down, that includes instead of rejecting. Lord, let that be true for us, and we pray that. In Jesus' name, and even just as your heads are bowed, I just want to give an opportunity, if there's anyone here that hasn't received the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, that hasn't said yes to his love, and this is your time to get that heart transplant. I'm looking across. I just want to give an opportunity. One of the ways you can acknowledge it is to write on your connection card. I said yes to Jesus today. I asked him into my life. I received his forgiveness. Another way is just to raise your hand and look at me. I'll acknowledge that. I won't call you out, but I'll acknowledge it. Best decision you could ever make. I don't want to miss you, so wave your hand at me if that's you. And Lord, thank you so much for your life and your power and the fact that with you, with you, we can have a healthy heart. Thank you, Jesus.